And I think at that moment in time was when I realized I need to keep working on this. I need to be better, but also you suck as a human being. I don't want to ever work with you again. (laughs) Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. Firsthand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there. And plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey, everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for people just like you who are looking to turn up the volume, show your value, and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. Well, we are celebrating May as Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month, and I am proud to be partnering with the Center for Asian Pacific American Women to be bringing and amplifying Asian Pacific Islander voices all month. So check us out on leadwithyourbrand.com backslash AAPI so that you can see our catalog of some of our favorite guests who've been on the show from the past two seasons, including Sue Ann Hong, who's the president and CEO of the Center for Asian Pacific American Women, Bill Amata, who's the awesome chief connectivity officer for the IW Group, and Joanne Tabalea Murphy, who's a big executive over at Walmart. And of course, today, I am proud to amplify voices by bringing on Katie Sue, who's the senior vice president of growth marketing for Asian HBO Max. But before we get to my fabulous conversation with Katie, I want to talk a little bit about how we recover when we have a brand failure. That's right. We are all human beings and we all make mistakes and we all fall off of brand sometime. Now, the key here is that you've got to be keenly aware when you've made a hiccup, take ownership for it, and get back on brand immediately. In the past week, I was so inspired by seeing an interview on the Today Show. Hoda Kotb had a chance to talk to Rosalind Brewer, who is the CEO of Walgreens Boots Alliance. She is the first African-American female CEO on the Fortune 500. Now, the great thing about this interview was really hearing about her experiences, but then learning that she was actually the COO of Starbucks during one of their major crises. She was the CEO when in Philadelphia, a Starbucks associate called the police on two African-American customers because they didn't have proof of a receipt of purchase and were sitting in the store. Now, I love thinking about Starbucks because I always challenge you to think, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Well, I'm hoping you're Starbucks for the reasons that Rosalind Brewer helped guide Starbucks through that challenge. She knew immediately that Starbucks had to stand up 
and admit that they had made a mistake. If you go back and look at the old footage, there she was sitting with her CEO, apologizing to the public for violating decency as well as really their brand standards. Because remember, Starbucks was built on a brand vision of being a European coffee house where people could hang out all day and work and have free Wi-Fi and restrooms. And this clearly was not only a situation of racial profiling, it was also something that went core to the Starbucks brand. But she went a step further. She took responsibility and closed down every single U.S. Starbucks for a day to put all of their staff through racial injustice and unconscious bias training. Think about that. She actually closed down the operation of a place that we go to every single day, all day long for, and wait in line to get coffee. But what did it do? It ensured that that one error by one employee didn't create drag across the entire Starbucks brand. And in fact, she used it as a way to build trust and ensure that everyone knew what Starbucks stood for. So think for yourself, when you make a mistake, how quickly are you able to stand up and admit that you've made a mistake, apologize, and get back on brand quickly? Well, I'm super excited to hear from our guest today. Her name is Katie Sue, and she is an award-winning global media and tech marketer who's currently the Senior Vice President of Growth Marketing for HBO Max. She oversees the growth for Warner Media's direct-to-consumer platform, which I am obsessed with, called HBO Max. Now, since the launch of HBO Max, Katie has helped grow domestic subscribers from 33 million to 44.2 million, which is an 11 million subscriber growth since their launch just a quarter ago. Now, Katie previously served as the head of marketing at Warner Brothers Digital Networks, and she's also held senior positions at Full Screen Media and at Hulu. And she was also an early hire at Dollar Shave Club, where she built the marketing roadmap to shape the subscription business model for years to come. Katie sits on the advisory board for both Pinterest and California State University Entertainment Alliance, and she's also on the Asia Society's Board of Trustees, is the co-chair of Asia Society Southern California, and serves as a member of Vox Media's Brand Council. We'll be back in just a few moments with Katie Sue. Hey, everybody, it's Jason Patria, host of the Lead With Your Brand podcast, and I am here with one of my fabulous friends. And hello, I'm Sue Ann Hong, president and CEO for the Center for Asian Pacific American Women, or as we say, Kapaw. We're thrilled to be partnering with Jason to celebrate Asian Pacific Islander American Heritage Month. That's right. Each week in May, we're showcasing an amazing career story from a person of Asian Pacific Islander descent, and I couldn't be happier to share our platform with Kapa. So join us every Tuesday in May for a new episode of the Lead With Your Brand podcast featuring a fabulous API guest. So look for us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and check out leadwithyourbrand.com backslash AAPI to see all of our fabulous interviews from the last season. See you there and happy Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month.
And we are back, and I am thrilled to have an amazing guest today, Katie Sue, who is the Senior Vice President of Growth Marketing for HBO Max. Katie, how are you today? I'm great. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for thanks for interviewing. <laughs> Well, of course, I needed to have you on because Sue Ann Hong over at the Center for Asian Pacific American Women was like, you have to have Katie on, and I'm a huge HBO Max fan, so this is a match made in heaven. I am so glad. I am a huge fan of Sue Ann Hong, and she is super inspirational. She gives me very great like straight talk, and so I'm happy to do this for her, too. That's awesome. So Katie, tell me, when you first meet people and you're in the business, right? So how do you explain who you are and what you do? It's a really good question. I would simply say that I run growth marketing at HBO Max. So every single consumer touchpoint that helps you understand what to watch, where to watch it, how to watch it originates from my team. Wow. And what what are some of the amazing new things that we should all be watching for on HBO Max? The Nevers. The Nevers is a really great show. Mortal Kombat, because for those video game fans, nostalgia fans, definitely a really fun film. Personally, I'm very excited for In the Heights. And so that's probably something to just say around the corner, coming soon. Can't wait for all of you to see it. Also, at the core, I love Game of Thrones. So I always go back to that. (laughs) So Katie, talk to me. You've had this amazing career as a marketer, right? In, In entertainment and tech brands. When you think back, what have been some of the biggest career breakthrough moments for you? I think one of the biggest career breakthrough moments for me was when I joined Dollar Shave Club. It was a very small company at the time, not even really like we didn't even have our own office. We were incubated at science at a bring my own laptop. There were three of us sharing a desk. (laughs) And if you were to ask me years ago, would I ever find myself in men's grooming? I would go, you're crazy. I would never do that. (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) But it was this moment in time where I believed in the vision and the dream and Our founder was pretty amazing in terms of just having this clear sense of what the business was, what we set out to achieve. And social media and digital was just this massive thing that was blowing up and I was right at the center of it. And so being able to take that and grow a business and carve out a category, I mean, it was the perfect David and Goliath story. I had no idea that it would actually become the company it did. And I did everything. I packed razors. I printed (laughs) labels. I answered support emails. But it was sort of that opportunity in one's career where you get to do everything. And everything you did mattered to the business. You had to learn discipline. You had to understand how to be resilient you had to be relentless in what you do. And the other parts of it were you just had to figure it out. There was no actual playbook, no rules, no guidelines. It was up to you to solve the business and grow it. And it was up to you to make the mistakes that would fail a business. And so it was a lot. It was a very high stakes game. Yeah. And so how did you, I mean, no one's a little girl saying, I want to sell razors when I grow up. So like, how did you become like the number, like the third employee there? 
You know, <laughs> what do you mean? Nobody dreams of wanting to sell razors. <laughs> I I was one of the few people working in social media at the time. It was obviously not a well-known industry. I think you saw a lot of emerging tech companies in Silicon Valley growing up in the Bay Area. There was a lot of what would you know, become the exponential multiplier of all of these platforms that we live in today. But then, you know, marketing with social was uncharted territory. People didn't really understand how to do it, what it meant, was it valuable, would it drive revenue, would it grow a business? And so I had a friend reach out to me, you know, in this process and said, you have to, you have to explore this opportunity. You have to talk to the founder and you have to give it a shot because I think you have the right skill set and background that could help make this company really successful. And I remember going, what's the company? And she said, well, <laughs> they sell razors, but hold on, watch this video. And I went, oh, come on. Like, <laughs> I think at the time I was consulting for a handful of startups. You know, yeah. there were loyalty companies, badging companies, VR, AR. I mean, it was really early days of, you know, the adoption rate wasn't even in the market yet. It was just like tech being explored. And so I thought, why would I, why would I go into men's grooming? It's not even a category I'm familiar with. And anyways, long story short, I watched the video multiple times. I had a call with the founder and immediately resigned everything that I had. And I went to go work for him the following week. And it was all just because wow. of a dream and like a high five on, hey, maybe this could be really interesting. And it was honestly one of the most fun rides of my career. And to this day, I still look back at the fact that I got to wake up every day doing something I love, working with people I consider my friends. Those opportunities are few and far between. And so being able to be there on the ground level was something that, you know, I think you always continually search for. Yeah. What 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 was the biggest thing that you learned while working at Dollar Shave Club? Oh, so I mean, <laughs> other than how to pack boxes and ship, right? <laughs> I learned so much about supply chain, demand, the financials of a business, how every decision you make matters to your customers, the consumers, the fans, the memberships you were trying to develop, and why a brand experience is so critical and that brand and performance could actually be the same thing. And I think traditionally, if you think of marketing, you have traditional marketing and you have performance marketing. Mm -hmm. Dollar Shave Club was uniquely positioned to basically say, you can accomplish both. You can build a great brand that matters to people. You can capture the hearts and minds of customers and make them fans. And you can deliver a membership experience that people need and want and just be a great company and be real. So yeah. all of the marketing materials early on, it was just a bunch of us having fun and seeing what we were hearing from you know our members or, or you know potential members and listening to their ideas and actually just making them a part of the experience and the build. And I think it's so critical and so many companies don't really look at it that way, which I find always surprising. Yeah. And then how did you move from an organization like Dollar Shave Club into streaming services and, and, and content companies? Well, I always knew at some point I wanted to be able to impact change in the intersection of entertainment and technology. I didn't really know how it would manifest itself. I just knew that being in LA at the time, 
it was just a category that was ready for some sort of disruption and transformation. What that was, unclear. And so when Hulu came knocking, it was just a really interesting business because it was streaming, it was content, it was customer centric, it was, you know, fandoms all coming together. And they hadn't actually done too much in marketing and they hadn't done too much in social for that matter. And so I felt that it was something I could really sink my teeth into and make a positive contribution. And at that point, having done a category that I didn't know anything about, I figured, why don't I try something else? Why don't I go try to innovate and invent something within an industry that I could learn an impact and potentially maybe over a couple of years, be able to drive some real change and representation in a space that I had never seen anyone like myself in. And then how did that lead you to HBO Max? A long, arduous journey. (laughs) (laughs) With so many other amazing adventures sprinkled in between. I think what I came to realize was Categories are an interesting thing. So my whole background, I love category design and category disruption. So things that exist and things that don't and the transformation of both and being able to either create something that people don't even know that they needed or create something that people already need, but make it better and evolve it to something more modern. Mm -hmm. And at that point in time, I wasn't entirely sure how long I wanted to stay in entertainment. I just knew that for myself, I loved what I was able to do. But there also the reality was, it's a relentless job, right? I remember yeah. at Hulu, one year alone, I must have marketed 200 shows. I mean, I got to a point... This is like, this is the actual like very, very hardcore truth of it. When you are marketing content at that level and scale, you are watching content because you want to make sure you get the story right, the the quotes and the clips and um, bits and pieces and, and speak to the characters, drive that sort of discovery. But you lose the romanticism of being a fan and watching the content. Mm-hmm. I remember getting to a place where my husband and I would watch a TV show and I would fast forward through things. Cause I'm like, okay, I totally get this. Now I have to go to the next beat, take notes. And he was like, wait, but I haven't seen that. You have to go through the actual story arc. I was like, no, 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 no. Like this is going to happen. You know, we have to move to the next episode and keep going. And he was like, honestly, this is a terrible way to experience content. And I just remember this moment in time going, you're right. It is. I need to fall back in love with what I do. I need to fall back in love with the storytelling and recenter myself around the creative and do what I wanted to do when I joined this business and the industry, which is how do you take storytelling and help people discover characters and stories that they didn't even know that they could fall in love with. And so I actually took a mini sabbatical and, you know, imagine Mm -hmm. going from Dollar Shave Club and that crazy ramp up and build landing in another build and a ramp up. I was just pretty burnt out and I took time for me to recenter myself. And I actually went and I shot a docu-series in Southeast Asia and Cuba. Um, Yeah. And the docu-series was actually just a very guerrilla style doc focused on women all around the world in very impoverished regions of countries. And it was just a simple through line of saying what matters to you 
What are the things that keep you going? And what advice do you have for the next generation? And it was such a incredible journey that it changed the course of my life. I think I remember meeting a woman in Indonesia and she actually collected little tiny black pebbles off of a beach. She would wake up every morning at five in the morning and walk miles to go to the beach. And she would collect all these tiny little pebbles by hand into a little bucket. And then she would walk miles to try to sell it. And maybe she would bring home 50 cents. And I remember Mm. asking her why, you know, why choose this path? Like what, what, what motivates you? What keeps you going? And she said to me, which is crazy to even think about. It It makes me emotional, even like going down the path of her story. Mm -hmm. I want to give my kids a chance at education. I want to be able to put food on the table. And in terms of any sort of advice I want to give other people is that because I myself never had the chance or choice, cherish the fact that you have freedom of choice. And it was such a powerful thing for me because I had traveled all over Southeast Asia at this point, talked to so many different women with similar stories. And what you learn is at the core, education and very raw human needs are just the foundation of what people fight for. And it was at that moment in time, Mm -hmm. I remember going back to the B&B with my producer and I sat there with him and I said, I have to go back. I have to go back. And he goes, but we're not even done with the doc. We still have to go to Cuba. And I went, (laughs) I'm going to go back. I'm going to pick up the phone. I'm going to make a couple of phone calls and I'm going to get a job. And I'm going to get a job because I want to use this job and the time in this job to do good. Because shame on me for living in a country where I could have this choice, that we have public education, that we have a platform to open the doors for so many women of color that I'm not doing that. Let me let me grow my let me grow my story and reach so that I can help others do that. And so I sort of came back to the US, took a mini break, made a bunch of phone calls and immediately had a handful of offers. Then I still flew to Cuba and shot the latter part of our story. <laughs> and then I came back and I took a job at full screen. And from that point on, it was like full screen to Warner brothers. to all the businesses that I then, you know, ran marketing for and helped build launch and then ended up here at HBO max. And I blinked and I've been on this business for almost three years now. Yeah. And it's amazing that it was all about taking that time out to really, I love that you fell back in love with storytelling by having someone be a storyteller with you, right? And I actually think that's the power of content and that's the power of what we do in marketing. It is really being able to tell authentic stories to people who want to be seen and heard. And it doesn't matter what your background is, where you come from, you want to be united and feel like you belong. And so it was Mm -hmm. simply just regrounding myself in what mattered to me growing up as a kid, rediscovering my love for the storytelling, and then using my career as a vessel to do good and give back and hopefully impact 
you know, people around me and the industry or even other industries so that we can just continue broadening the reach of what, what it is that we do. Cause this is so much more. A job is a job at the end of the day. What your legacy is, is what you leave behind. And I would very much like that to be something meaningful. And, and right now, when you look back and certainly you have a long way to go, what do you see as your legacy right now, Katie? That's such a strong question to ask simply because I don't feel that I have a legacy today. I've made positive impact. I feel like I'm still curious. I'm still learning. I'm still breaking down doors. I'm still blazing this path forward. I probably won't be asked. <laughs> I probably won't be able to answer that question until it's the end of the road. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um and, and you do all of this great nonprofit work mm-hmm. too, right? You you serve on boards. Tell me a little bit about that work and why you find that important as both a person as well as a professional. So I serve as the co-chair of Asia Society Southern California. I also recently joined their board of trustees. And I joined because Asia Society's mission is to bridge, you know, the relationship between US and Asia across arts, education, policy, sustainability, and frankly, lots of really macro level topics that mean a lot to everyone. And it's a unifier, right? It's something that we can all relate to. And so it was a way for me to think about how I could give back and that I could give back in a way that allowed me to affect change in areas that were truly meaningful. Um, I also am a huge sustainability fan. I probably want to retire working in a company that I start myself in sustainability one day. Like that's the dream because I just think cause related purpose driven initiatives are very fulfilling. And if you don't have that part of you fulfilled, it's very hard to bring your whole self to work to family, to a social setting. And so because of that, I've always pursued nonprofit work. Even when I was younger, um, it's just Mm -hmm. been a part of my DNA. And probably because I grew up in the Bay Area, you know, I came from a very blue collar family. I had to work, you know, multiple jobs to put myself through college. That grit and that curiosity just makes you a lifelong student. So I think I'm probably going to keep learning and giving back until my brain just says, you're done. (laughs) (laughs) And tell me a little bit about growing up in, in the, in the Bay area. What what did you want to do when you were younger? What did you envision being an adult looked like? I loved growing up in the Bay area, mostly because I was just almost in a bubble. I was surrounded by diversity, culture, amazing food. I just felt always at home. I always, when I was a kid, knew that I wanted to be some sort of a inventor or a scientist or a marine biologist. I don't think I had in my mind, oh, I want to be a marketer (laughs) or I want to go and like, you know, run a company. It was never like that. It was just being a part of something bigger and something that mattered. And whatever path that that could take me on, that's probably the path I would want to be on. So, you know, I think about my major. Um, I went to SFSU and I studied broadcast electronic communication arts, 
which is a form of journalism and production and digital. And it was pretty much everything that I loved in one major. And so I got to explore all the different areas of communication. Um, And I think at some point I always wanted to do this. I just didn't really know what this was then. I think if I go back, I have this book I wrote like when I was a little kid and they were asking, you know, what do you want to be when you're 25? And there's this horrible drawing of um, that I made of a self-portrait that's just <laughs> not really as cute. <laughs> as one would think. By the way, I paint and I do art now. And so I look back at that and go, Ooh, probably don't ever show people these drawings. Um, and at that point, I just basically wrote that I wanted to be an astronaut. And I really think sometimes that's just a kid wanting to see the world from a different vantage point. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so interesting. Now you're really this pioneer and and an inventor at the intersection of, you know, a century old business moving onto new platforms, right? It is a lot of fun. Um, I think we are very fortunate that being in entertainment, this is just that moment in time where I think the whole entire industry is transforming. I think COVID accelerated Mm -hmm. some of the behavioral changes for sure, but Mm -hmm. nobody really knows how all of it's going to be. And that's actually the part of this that is super exciting because why would anybody want to be in a job or a business that is exactly the same thing all the time, every day, every week, every month, every year for all of eternity. I mean, maybe by the way, different strokes for different folks. Like if that's what people want to pursue, that's great. I'm just not built that way. And so I'm always going to be looking at things to change, evolve, and do something that is challenging. So I do seek out really highly complex problems and probably why I'm in the situation I find myself. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about your brand as an executive. What are what are three words that you would use to describe your brand as a leader? Curiosity, mm. resilience, purpose. Purpose. So talk to me about curiosity. How how do you bring that as an executive, right, who leads big teams? How do you bring something like curiosity to the the forefront of who you are? I have always been a knowledge seeker. If I could be a student for the rest of my life, I probably would. And so why not make my career the opportunity to be a student of the universe? Um I still, you know, in the very little time that I have, I'll still try to learn new skill sets. I do a lot of reading. I take a lot of classes for fun. I think all of it is just the pursuit of being the best version of myself and how that impacts leadership. I look for people who are also curious. I look for people who Mm. also pursue something that is different And there's a philosophy I use on all of my teams, which is it doesn't matter what your title it is or what it is that you do, the best idea in the room always wins. And I actually think there's something really great about being able to say, use your voice. Any idea is a good idea. Just bring them. And I would rather dream big and pull back than to not dream at all. And I think having curiosity allows you to do that on a personal and a professional life. 
Yeah. So I'm I'm so curious around the curiosity element when we think of it being AAPI Heritage Month, because I know growing up, right, my Filipino dad was always like, don't rock the boat, you know, don't don't say that. Oh, yeah. I feel that's something so common in in multiple API communities. How how were you able to make that be a hallmark of your brand, knowing that sometimes that's something that that we're not encouraged to do. You have to be true to who you are. And growing up, I was also told a lot of the same things, right? Most of our family um, worked one job. It was always a stable job. It was always about stability and security. Immigrant families are that way. Mine certainly is, right? Like don't rock the boat, Mm -hmm. you know, just keep your head down. Don't talk back. I mean, it wasn't built that way. And I, <laughs> I think my dad knew that at a super young age. Like my dad was this guy who rode a motorcycle and, you know, was one of 14 kids. I mean, bless my grandmother's heart, one of 14 kids. And my grandfather, his dad was actually born here, but moved back to China to actually do a lot of work. And so therefore my dad was actually born overseas. But when the war broke out, it, it didn't, matter what it is that you did, what your profession was, as long as you looked a certain way, you would be put in a camp. You would lose everything overnight and nothing mattered. And so my father Mm -hmm. came back to America because my grandfather was a citizen and he grew up in an era where he was largely ostracized for just being Asian. And I remember being shielded from a lot of that, you know, growing up, you know, I would hear gunshots and I remember my mom would tell me, oh, it's just fireworks. And for a long time, I thought, wow, like so many people doing fireworks on, and it's not July 4th, (laughs) but you don't, you don't know because they wanted to protect me for as long as they were able to, so that I could have some normalcy of not feeling different, but it was very soon. I felt different. Um, Even as a kid, I was bullied. You had rocks thrown at you, name calling, it's a lot of trauma to be growing up with. And so after that, and after a series of loss, I think losing my father to cancer certainly contributed to it. You realize Mm -hmm. that you have to find your voice and you have to use your voice for good because life is so damn short. I mean, we think life is this long quantifiable thing, but it is not. I could get hit by a bus tomorrow and this podcast will be the last thing that I had done. <laughs> right? Let's hope of not. Of course. But for for the purposes of an example, right? What if that were the case? What would I want to be remembered by? What are the things that I want to actually be known for and not by people I don't know? That is a wonderful byproduct of doing great work. But what do I want my family to be proud of? What do I want the people Mm -hmm. around me who I love and care about to be proud of. And that is that legacy that I talked about earlier. That is the reason why you have to use your voice. In the recent years, I've definitely found myself showing up more, taking up space. And a lot of it is because of great mentors and sponsors around me who have said, Katie, what the hell? Like you need to show up, you need to take up space and you need to be present because people need to know this is possible. And it was like being mm-hmm. snapped out of this dream for the first time yeah. and waking up and going, 
yes, everything that I believed in from when I was a child until now, every loss I have experienced, I have to do this because it's bigger than just me. It isn't about me. It's not about my career. It's not about my job. It's about collective consciousness and global connection and being able to actually Mm -hmm. unify people in a way that, you know, these days I find can be very difficult. And that's really, we can see the resilience piece coming through loud and clear. You know, I'm so interested because you are someone that is a marketer by trade. When we think about building our own career brands, what are those things that you see really work for uh, building and marketing brands on the consumer side that people could use to develop their own career brand? I always say every single person has transferable skill sets. If you can dream it, you can do it. Mm -hmm. So all of it is a mindset shift. If they want to pursue direct-to-consumer, well, what in your toolkit can help you at least identify the category of interest? Is it finance? Is it blockchain? Is it technology? Is it content? And it could be anything. And that's the thing, right? Direct-to-consumer and building means that you are doing something for a customer, consumer, fan that either has done or hasn't been done before, and you get to build it. So if you get to build it, what is it that you want to build? And along that process, what within your own skill set do you want to amplify, to learn, to grow? If you can answer those questions, you can almost scientifically pinpoint your areas of interest, and then you can actually back into something that is a bit more tangible. Okay. These are some of the target companies. These are some of the target areas I'm interested in. What is going to help me be that version of myself I want to be? And what company or category or job is going to get me closer to that? And what can I do to make that company also benefit from the equation? And I think that sort of begins that journey of building your own, you know, brand. Absolutely. And tell me, have you ever had a time where, you received feedback from others where you maybe weren't showing up in the way that you wanted to show up. How how did you handle that and make a course correction? Life is a series of feedback all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I think I had a really pivotal moment and I don't know if this will answer your question directly, but this was a very pivotal moment for me for, for receiving feedback. I remember speaking to a woman who traditionally and not been very collaborative in the past. And I remember asking her, what can I do to make this better? What can I do to help bridge our teams? And I swear to God, her feedback to me was, you sound too damn smart all the time. If you don't dumb it down, no one's going to listen to you. And I was furious. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm sure you know, based on our conversation right now, I'm like, really? Did you just say I need to be dumb to be successful? That is never, (laughs) by the way, to be clear for anyone listening to that, I would never stand behind that advice. I think it's one of the worst pieces of feedback I'd ever received. But what it did do for me is, what is it that she actually meant? What is the thing that she's Mm. actually trying to get to? It's not necessarily that I have to change myself and not say the things I believe. It's understanding the channel and frequency in which people understand what you are saying. 
And that is the power of being able to drive consensus and alignment in complex organizations where they may not actually want to hear what you're saying or want to explore your idea, but helping them see it from their vantage point is a superpower. And I think at that moment in time was when I realized I need to keep working on this. I need to be better, but also you suck as a human being. I don't want to ever work with you again. (laughs) (laughs) But so amazing, right? That I loved that you were able to take, you know, something being so furious, but actually being able to hit the pause button there and go like, like, what is she really saying? Right? Like not, not what did I, what, not what did I hear, but, but what's the intent, right? And that's so much of it. I mean, I think, So much of work and life and personal relationships and friendships are always about finding a common ground. And that starts with being able to speak and communicate with people in a way that they can understand. And that is actually the foundation of so much storytelling, creative, content, arts, education. All of that starts from a place of equal footing trust and communication. And so it just simply exemplified something that I already feel like is a part of a journey that I've been on since I was growing up and always being different and in the room. It was just another way for me to say, okay, I need to sharpen these tools. I need to get smarter and better. I have a long career and a long life to try to get this right. And I'm probably going to be doing this until the end of time because people and humans are continually evolving. And so how do you keep track of that? And how do you keep pace with it? Well, you kind of have to start inside and with yourself. But the second part of that is also realizing, although the intent was good and the feedback was necessary and was helpful, the way she was as a leader was a really great learning for me too, which allowed me to understand traits that I would never believe in, support, or advocate for or hire for. And so it was almost like an incredible learning experience across the board. It was like feedback from the work level, but feedback as a leader on the do's and don'ts. It's like dating, you know, you just, you just know. (laughs) Exactly. You know, that's what you never want to be, right? Or, or be with. Mm Mm-hmm. So Katie, a couple of quick questions since since you're all about marketing and you're a big content fan. What is your favorite brand as a consumer? What what must you have or what do you love? I find myself to be an Apple fan because my whole life is already optimized for the Apple experience. <laughs> so I feel like it's a little bit too late to try to figure out where else to go from here. Katie, if you were a type of car, what type of car would you be? Probably Tesla, because I believe in all the good things that Tesla is doing. And I do look at Tesla and I think, wow, it really challenged the construct of a traditional model. It did everything opposite of what you would have expected. And yet now everyone's following them. And finally, Katie, what's the best career advice that you would like to pass on to our listeners? Don't give up keep going. If the room you're in today doesn't value you or see you, find the room that does. And I think a lot of times, even in my own career, you feel like you're waiting for permission, whether it's permission from yourself, permission from your friends and family, colleagues, people you work with, work for, to say that maybe this isn't the right thing for you. If you know that in your heart, 
give yourself the permission to say, I deserve better. I am more, and I'm going to go find a room where I can make the best impact I can make and actually be valued. Wow. Well, Katie, Sue, thank you so much for joining us and taking up room here on the podcast. It was amazing talking to you. I had so much fun. Thank you for having me. And we'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. Wow. I am just thrilled with that amazing conversation with Katie Sue. You know, everything she said was so inspiring. And just looking at her track record of growing businesses, including HBO Max, is simply mind-blowing. But the one thing that really stood out to me was Katie's whole notion of hitting the pause button, of saying, you know what, it's okay when you know that you're burned out to hit pause and reevaluate and do something that's going to help you see more clearly. Now, I know you hear me talk all about the intersection of your talents, your passions, and the needs of the marketplace. And what I love about what Katie did was she hit that pause button to say she needed to reconnect with her passion because it was getting in the way of her doing amazing work, right? Or it would lead her down a path where she wasn't in love with what she was doing and it was going to impact the content and the product. So think for yourself, we all get stressed out, we all get burned out. How can you hit the pause button? How can you reset and recharge and make sure that you are combining your passions with your talents in a way that meets the needs of your industry and the world? Well, that's the show for today. I hope you've had a blast, and I hope that you're celebrating Asian American Pacific Heritage Month. For more role models from the Asian American Pacific Islander community, visit leadwithyourbrand.com backslash AAPI so that you can hear fabulous interviews from seasons one and seasons two. And make sure to follow me on all social media platforms. I'm at Jason Patria. And check me out on LinkedIn, where I share plenty of tips on how you can lead with your brand every single day. If you love the show, hit the follow or subscribe button so you get your episode each Tuesday. And remember, in your career, don't be a boring old bland commodity like coffee. Be a super premium brand like Starbucks. You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.